Hi, and welcome to the Making Our Way podcast. This week, we have a Father's Day special. We bring in Troy Saunders, Austin's dad, to talk about what it was like being a teacher and raising Austin. I finally got my laser working. Christy airs some dirty laundry. Austin brings us back around to talk about overconfidence. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, guys. Good to see you guys. Hey, Christy. What's up? So what have we been up to? Dean, what you got? Yeah, so... I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode, but it's college softball playoffs are going on right now. The World Series Mm -hmm. is going on. So that means I get left alone. My (laughs) wife is inside. She controls the TV, so I can't watch TV. I'm in the shop and wow, what it does for productivity. Mm -hmm. So the first huge thing I kept saying, the fiber laser, I need time to sit and figure it out, time and figure it out, time and figure it out. All it took was two softball games on a Friday night and I had the fiber laser (laughs) running. So um, there's a huge learning curve there. There were a few things that were really frustrating because I couldn't figure out because you're dealing with power of the laser, but also wavelength of the laser um, to figure and speed. So there's a lot of variables that tie into how the laser interacts with the metal. And then aluminum is di- different than steel and even different graded steels are different. So I would have a lot of success with one piece and then I would I would laser it on our, my two by 72 because trying to copy Austin and all his cool graphics. And so I would do one of the arms and they would go awesome. And then I would put the the plate down. That's the work table. And it did not like the laser, but what it is, is I'm importing a vector file versus a bit mad. And all. so there's a big mm. learning curve there, but the biggest victory from the weekend was uh, the laser is on. It functions. I got it working and making stuff and it's super exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. When you sent showed the picture where you had the protractor engraved right on the work on the like the um you know the tools or the what's I don't know what is it called? Is it a work, work table or work rest? Yeah. Where you had it engraved right on the work rest, that is a killer idea because you could just yeah. slide a piece of steel at whatever angle you're shooting for. That's the first time I've seen that, and I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, it I was. mean I went through a hundred protractor graphics. And then I was going to just use a graphic and draw one myself in illustrator. And, and that's the kind of stuff that when somebody's asking you every five minutes about what kind of bug is this, you, you lose patience <laughs> with what you're doing. So I was able to find a graphic that I liked and a graphic that the, the file was large enough that I could erase the background and manipulate. And that's the one I learned the laser when you import it, it doesn't like clear backgrounds. So it's a very faint marking, but it is marking the background the whole time. And so then you don't get quite the, quite the visual difference in the black and the clear, so to say. And so I had to learn some tricks on that. Uh, it loves vector files. It doesn't like bitmaps, but I'll, I'll figure all that out and I'll figure out what programs work best. It does not like, so this was weird. Um, I don't want to talk too long in the laser, but so you know, the laser comes from China. It was built at a certain time. And it uses this program, EasyCAD 2. Well, EasyCAD 2, there's a three out already, and that's already old. So EasyCAD 2 does not like importing Adobe Illustrator files because the Adobe Illustrator output that's now is so far advanced compared to when EasyCAD 2 was the primary software. It was throwing things all over the things. It was throwing pictures. So if you watch the reel I posted, um, when I do my logo, you'll see I have my name and I have all the graphics, but none of the text, because when it would import any text that I had typed on a path, it was throwing them all over the place. So I had to erase those and import each section one at a time, overlay it over the graphic, 
turn the background graphic off and then just etch that one piece. And I had to do that over and over to get the whole combined wow. logo on the thing. And that's just a learning curve where I need to learn the software and what the software wants to see. But um, that, that was the one that on Friday, it was one in the morning. And I was like, okay, you need to stop, go inside, get some sleep, do this in the morning. Do you think that that the software that's on that machine, you can eventually update it to like where it'll run a newer program or? I don't know. I mean, and that's definitely something worth researching because I know there is an easy CAD three. Um, it's a little worrisome. I mean, I thought I bought, I know it's the lasers made in China, but I thought I was buying from an American company. And when you boot it up, the warning thing that comes up that you have to click agree is all hieroglyphics. I don't know what any of it says. Right. And then you go in and thankfully it's set to English. But one of the issues I was having was the directions that come, you have to set up all your preferences in which, which ports are open, which ports are closed, which ports are for the laser, what ports are for the foot pedal. And I follow the directions that are in this file and the laser doesn't work. And so I have to go online and read and somebody's like, oh, if it told you to do this, you need to really turn this one to zero and this one to 10. And I do that and it works. And it's wow. troublesome when you've spent a lot of money on a tool and the directions they send with it aren't right. You know, right. So right. especially a tool that could make you go blind or seriously hurt you. And that's the other thing I'm going to have to do. I am going to have to put some kind of guard up because I just know myself and I'm going to stick my hand under it. Um, I, whether it's reaching across for a work piece or, oh, let me just grab this tape measure that's on the other side while it's engraving. Because it doesn't, you don't see a beam. Right. And if it's, if it's doing certain file types, you can't really even hear it. You have to look at the work piece to see that something's traveling. And it's pretty so, high up too, right? Like oh the, yeah, it's 20, uh, 24 millimeters and different ones are different focuses. It depends on the lens you have and how it's calibrated. But I have 24 millimeters between my workpiece and the lens. So if you, you know, and that goes up and down as you um, move the, you know, your workpiece goes up, that lens goes up. So there were some points I was at 40 millimeters up and I'm like, oh, let me grab this ruler so I can get ready for the next piece. And you'd have to remind yourself, okay, let's not, you know, get a nasty burn or a right. sixth finger. I don't know what don't, would happen. Don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. What you been up to ghostbuster? Uh, so I, for, I was getting ready to turn on my water for the first time to my outdoor spigots and stuff. And which also does the outdoor shower. Well, when I went in to check the outdoor shower, cause I was going to turn it off cause I left the valves open throughout winter. Cause I was like, Hey, if for some reason there's a little bit of water in there, at least the valves are open. It'll have a place to expand to. And as soon as I looked at the valve setup, the hot water side coming out was split open on where they welded a seam. And I was like, I don't know how I did it because I drained the lines. And then I yeah. opened the valves to let everything run out. The bottom of the shower has like a, um, like a, like a spigot, you know, like a garden hose spigot at the very bottom part. And I opened that one up. Oh, so really? it's the very bottom, you know, and I, so I don't know how it happened. Um, one of my buddies that I talk to all the time, he's like a, uh, a water systems guy. And he's like, dude, water hides everywhere. He's like, yeah, there's was, that was kind of a horizontal in the fixture. And right. it doesn't take yeah. a lot for it to expand. But yeah, I think w water is like, what, 16 times? It expands 16 times when it freezes from something like that. Anyways, so it expands crazy. Am I right? I'm not going to do like some of the people in our Discord and Google something then and pretend like I knew it the whole time. Right. So, yeah. So it's like well, 30 just, times expanding. <laughs> I've no I'm idea. just thinking of ice that you put in an ice cube tray. And then once it freezes, it's, it expands a little bit, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a fucking number guys. Can I just roll? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, what about, no, you, what about you can't throw out times? random numbers. 
Is it forty seven? No, it's nine percent. So 9%. not even okay. not even one time. And okay. you said so thirty times. Water expands. You're thinking of those dinosaurs that you put in the water, and they expand from <laughs> oh, the yeah. capsule four hundred times. You know what I'm thinking about? This duck. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, anyway. So it fucking expands the crack shit. Anyways, yes. so my big thing was I was like on Instagram seeing who thinks I can solder this thing. I don't, it's just some oh, yes. Chinesium, you know, who knows? And uh, I think that I'm just going to, oh, well, this is the best part. So I found the manual because I was like, well, maybe I'll just write to them and see what the fuck they say. Because I only bought it a year. It was a year ago. And I was like, it might be under warranty. And it's like, if you have any troubles, email uh, cocktap 183com um, You know, it, that's literally what it says. I was like, cocktap at 103.com or something like that because it's like yeah and i was like oh this is definitely not gonna be any help i might as well just not email this probably get a virus um so i think i'm just gonna jb weld it because i'm i don't really give a shit i just if i can get it to last one more year and then it's basically like i'm renting a shower head for 75 bucks a year (laughs) what's the worst that could happen if the jb weld doesn't work you've wasted a tube of jb weld yeah and then i try putting more on it (laughs) just keep going are you on uh city water or are you on well water well okay so it won't even cost you anything if it you flood the backyard yeah it don't matter yeah is there an outdoor should you should you buy a different type feature? Is there an outdoor shower feature? This is, this, uh, it wasn't outdoor. It, oh. it was made, it's made to be outdoor. And then, so of course I read the reviews when I got it and the reviews were great for how cheap it was. And then I went back and looked at them now. And now there's a bunch of people where they're posting pictures where they cracked exactly where mine cracked. Uh. And every person was saying, I drained it completely. I left it open. I don't. And so there must just be some kind of, you know, bad design. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So anyways, uh, that's my current issue project. And then I'm in the middle of making some carbide scribes, uh, copper carbide scribes. Oh, which cool. are, something. New. Yeah. Some new stuff. Look, I just want to say, you know, people may not think scribes, what am I going to do a scribe? Um, I had another project I worked on and, you know, I have lazy weeks too. So I try to keep projects in my quiver that when we have a podcast, I go, oh, well, three weeks ago, I did this. I can talk about that. Like I just finished it. Uh, but it was a leatherworking project. And I used the shit out of that scribe to mark where my whole locations were going to be, to mark um, you know, where the center line on this belt was going to be. Uh, it's, a, it's a handy tool. And I think I told you, Austin, I laughed the other day. I was wearing my high caliber craftsman shirt and I'm using my high caliber craftsman scribe. And I'm like, what is going on in my life that this man has this much influence over me? Yeah. It's scary. Welcome scary. to the dark side, buddy. What about you, Christy? Okay, so here's my bizarro story. So a month ago, we ordered a new washer and dryer from Home Depot because we got rid of, we're getting rid of the set that we've got here at the house, sending it to one kid, the old set that I had in my other house, sending it to one of the other kids. So we've got an excuse to buy a new washer and dryer. So a month ago, we go to Home Depot, we order it. They say it'll be there in a month. Well, this coming weekend, I'm going to be taking the wash machine, wash and dryer that we have here at the house, taking it with me to my daughter's new apartment five hours away. So yesterday, I'm like, you know, the new one is supposed to be delivered tomorrow. I'd better check just to make sure it's going to be delivered on time. So I call the website, I call the little um, tracking information, and they're like, it is scheduled now for July 6th. That's a whole month, month from now. Whoa. 
Yeah. And I, I have to take it with me this weekend, the one that we have right here now, because just for the logistics of otherwise, I don't know when we would ever get it moved all the way up there to her. So well, if you flip them inside out, I think you can wear your underwear two days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I have, I actually probably have more underwear than most. Uh, I, I, I have a, yeah, that's right. Let's keep this on the the yeah. That's right. Okay. <laughs> that's going in a different direction. Okay. So anyway, I call, I find out it's going to be a month from now before it gets delivered. So we start making phone calls last night because nobody has called to tell us that our wash and dryer aren't going to show up for another month. Is this through yeah. a box store or a special delivery company? Home or? Depot. Okay. Home Depot. And then they, of course, hand it off to a third party delivery right. unit, you know. So we call the lady. And so she calls the local Home Depot. He's like, we can't really help you, blah, blah, blah. So then today Marvin talks to the, you know, talks, goes up the food chain because they do a lot of business for Home Depot. We were expecting a level of help. But anyway, so then he's like, fine, I'm not getting any help here. So he went to Metro Builder Supply, which is also provides washer and dryers. He's like, what do you have on the showroom floor or in your back? Uh, that we can take with us tomorrow. So we got it all figured out, got it ordered. We're going to pick it up tomorrow. And so then we went and canceled the Home Depot delivery. 15 minutes later, he gets a call saying, your washer and dryer will be delivered tomorrow from the original Home Depot order. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) So he called him and he's like, what in the heck is this? Because we have talked to multiple people for two days. And she's like, well, we just got a notification, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you guys are, uh, you know, 15 minutes late because we have changed our order. But I'm just like, is that not just the craziest thing ever? So we just bought a really nice treadmill and they, they do the same thing. Like we bought it from the company, but they use a third party delivery service. So they, I get a text and an email on a Wednesday. Your item is in Houston. It will be delivered in the next 24 to 48 hours. Expect a phone call. No one calls Wednesday. No one calls Thursday. No one calls Friday. So I tell Kristen, I'm like, look, I'm going to go to work Monday and Monday morning at some point, I'll reach out to the delivery company and see what's the problem or if I can just go pick it up myself. I get a phone call while I'm driving to the office Hey man, I'm on the way with your uh, package. I'm like, <laughs> what package? My treadmill? He's like, yeah, where uh, where you got a garage or something I can put this in? I said, no, dude. I'm I'm at work. I can't come help you, and I can't open the garage for you. And I said, maybe my wife can get back to the house and help you, but I, I, there's nothing I can do. Oh, I can't unload this thing myself. Now I paid for threshold delivery. Who did he think was going to help? Like <laughs> I paid for this, and they're like. I can't unload this thing by myself. And so I got a hold of Kristen and uh, she went back to the house and the guy shows up and he unloads and he's like, I, I just want to uh, put it in your garage. And she's like, you can't put it in the garage. There's a car in there. I can't move the car. Um, you have to come into the living room. And he's like, I can't. Uh, I Once it's off the dolly, that's it. That's where it's staying. So <gasps> he just pushed it up against the garage door. And then Kristen pulled her car up against it and left it there all day. And then when I came home from work, I had to move this thing by myself, back the car out, clean all the garage floor up, push this thing through the house and get it inside. And I'm pretty sure it hurt my wrist doing it. And all I keep thinking was like, I paid for threshold delivery. So that's not the end of it though. 
10 days later, I get multiple nasty emails and very nasty voicemails that we have tried continuously to get in touch with you to schedule delivery. And if you don't reach back to us by the end of this week, we're sending your item back to the to Nordatrack. And I'm like, guys, it's been delivered. It was delivered two weeks ago on, on Monday. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. We'll, we'll get that the next day. Call from delivery driver. Hey, man, I'm on the way uh, with your package. Is anybody there to receive it? And so I'm like, do I get a second treadmill and sell this bitch on Craigslist or something? But then just having to deal with all that, I'm like, look, don't bring that thing to my house. I already got my treadmill. I don't want it. Quit harassing me. Lose my number. But it just blows my mind. That crazy. Yeah. They have all these advanced systems, but they still lack in logistics. Right. Yeah. The most important piece, because and part of me is kind of like, well, maybe had I not called to check on it, it would have just shown up magically. But I can't just trust that that's going to happen. You I feel know? like that's the norm for like appliance delivery and stuff. It's just how it works. When we got all of our appliances, it was the same thing. Finally, I would call and they're like, yeah, we don't even know where it is. And then the next day I'd get a call like, hey, man, I'm on the way. I'm like, yeah, you guys went from not knowing where the hell it is to like you're on the way and you guys are driving down from New Jersey. Like you didn't know yesterday you were coming here. (laughs) You got to be careful leaving a dryer outside or washing machine outside in Missouri for too long. The neighbors will take it apart, turn into a fire pit. Or they'll plant some flowers in it. I mean, come on, roll it out in the front yard. There's a new level of Missouri rich, and it's called having so many that you're giving them out to all your relatives. (laughs) (laughs) We get it. You're rich. (laughs) So this week, we're joined by somebody special to me. We're doing our Father's Day episode, and I figured nobody better to bring on than my pop, Troy Saunders. Welcome on. (laughs) So if you can, maybe just tell people kind of what you're into what's what's your some of the making things you like to do um you know stuff like i don't really know what to say besides that <laughs> all right so i'm not a maker per se like all of y'all but uh, i i did make austin how about that that's right <laughs> here we go got champions swimming in that bing yeah. bag trial and error yeah thanks uh, so, <laughs> He always thinks that, you know, he he's the top one of the group. But uh, I, th- I think I have a few more running around somewhere, you know, when they. <laughs> so I, I've been a teacher for 27 years now. Um, I did work at the shipyard um, for a long time. So um, my father was actually an aircraft mechanic. So kind of uh, tools and dirt and grease run through the family. So uh, we've always been, I, I really kind of think we're sort of like Renaissance men where we pretty much can do everything, but, uh, you know, we, we're not really great at the one thing. Um, but that's kind of the way I like it though. Uh, you know, that we can kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah. I think that's, you know, you always refer to yourself as a jack of all trades, master of none. And I think, that's really the way that you would want to live your life because you can, you know, kind of dabble and make all different kinds of things and be pretty decent at everything. So Troy, you said you've been a teacher for 27 years. Uh, What is it that you do at the schools? So I used to be a fourth grade teacher. um, And I, so I taught nine, nine and 10 year olds. Um, I taught on math, science, social studies, and 
after a while, I decided I needed a change and I moved from elementary school to high school. I joked that I, I finally graduated to <laughs> high school and um, I became a teacher of the teachers. I teach them technology, how to use it best, um, proper, proper usage, how to get the most out of, out of your students using technology, things like that. So. No, I bet that was a pretty valuable transition. And one thing I know is uh, you dabble in 3D printing. What is 3D printing meant to you? Or, you know, what are some things that you've taken away from being able to do that? So it, it's, it was really cool. Uh, when I first got a 3D printer, my, um, we were making a makerspace, actually, in, in my classroom. I, we were one of the first ones. Uh, you know, kind of my classroom was the where you would try anything. Um, my classroom was one of the first ones we had one-to-one -one computers because what I did was they gave each class probably three or four com four computers each, and I would go to the different computer uh, different teachers on the hallway and I said, hey, are you using your computers? And most of them said no, because they didn't know what they were going to do with them. So over time, I collected enough computers. So all of my students had basically one-to-one -one computers. Wow. Well, then one of the next things I wanted to do was do a makerspace. And so I told, I sent a note home to all my parents and uh, they were used to odd requests from me anyway. So, but I sent a request and I said, everybody has a junk drawer. What I want you to do is I want you to take out anything that you really want out of that junk drawer and then just dump it in a bag and send it to school. So I actually had one of my parents, you know, say, well, okay, wh what are you doing with this? And I told them that it was to make a makerspace for my kids that they could build their project or whatever. And um, I come, I came from a school that was pretty well off. And like the next day, his son came in and said, uh, Mr. Saunders, my dad said to give you this. And it was a check for a thousand dollars. And wow. he said he, he wanted me to uh, build or get whatever I wanted to um, for the makerspace. And the first thing that we ended up buying was a 3D printer. Cool. That was pretty cool. I love the crowdsource junk drawer idea. Uh, last episode, we talked about how valuable that junk drawer is for fittings and handles and just different doodads that bring projects together. So I, I bet the kids with that imagination really did some special things with that. Where do y'all stand now with 3D printers? How many do you have? At my high school, we have probably 30. Wow. Um, and two of them are really special ones where um, they take in, use a resin and oh, yeah. really they're super fast and you can build the the framing and the supports out of a material that you throw the finished product in this liquid and it dissolves all the supports and stuff so you come out with the, the finished product so it, it's pretty advanced i think they were they were 20, 20 to $22,000 a piece. Wow. So very, very advanced. Well, so being that he has a, such a supreme educator, knowledgeable in all these digital arts, why does Austin, who doesn't work, not know how to use a 3D printer? 
He, he uses mine occasionally, but not a lot because it takes a lot of time to sit there and design and work things through. And, you know, Austin is a do it by the seat of your pants kind of guy. One um, of the designs that Austin took credit for that we all know you did was uh, the caliper holders. And I saw those all over the his shop. Do you have any other real functional prints that you can think of that you were able to take from the classroom and incorporate into the shop? Well, a lot of the prints, you you know, I don't want to take credit for all of them. What I do is steal somebody else's design from yeah. like Thingiverse or someplace like that and then design it or change it to what I need. And I think that's the smart way to go, because why do I want to start from, you know, from the bottom when I have something close and I can just, you know, change it a little bit and design it how I want to do it. Do you miss interacting with the kids now that you're interacting so much more with the teachers? Do you miss that working with the kids directly? Absolutely. Every day. Um, and I still work with kids, um, but now they're older kids. I, I miss the young ones. Uh, I tell everybody that uh, that hasn't worked in the elementary school that they they think you're a god. And it's hard. Austin, you know, he still thinks he's a god. But um <laughs> But they think you're a god, and you just—it's hard to go away from that. And I love the classroom. It just became, you know, it's, it's tough. It's it's really tough in the classroom now. So, um, if I if they force me to go back and be a teacher, I'd definitely go back to elementary. And it it just seeing their how they learn something, seeing how the the surprise or or how they get excitement from learning. You don't quite see it in the older kids because they're they're jaded by them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but the young ones are amazing. One of the things with the 3D printer, when we first were learning it, one of the students was designing a model. And this is, remember, this is fourth grade. This is nine and 10 year olds. Um, she was designing a model to show the size difference. Of course, it couldn't be, you know, really exactly right but just which one's largest which one's smallest of uh, the planets mm. and oh. when she went to do it she put no supports or anything it you know she wouldn't put any of that so she ended up with this big old bird nest um which we've all ended up with occasionally yep, yep. um and she learned i said okay what do you think happened and just from that mistake, she learned so much from that. And then the next thing was amazing that she created after that. So, so even your mistakes, you learn a lot. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm sure, you know, if the kids were thinking you were so cool, I bet they particularly were thinking you're pretty cool when you're driving around with Pepe. Uh, can you, Austin loves talking about Pepe. And uh, so can you kind of give us a little story behind acquiring uh, that truck and what all you guys have, have used it for and maybe some modifications for it? So my buddy, Nick, he started importing vehicles from Japan and I watched him do this quite a bit with all different ones. Um, he mostly imported uh, mini pickup trucks. There's all different ones. There's Mitsubishi and, and, you know, all Datsun or, you know, there's tons of different ones, but the one I liked was uh, a Subaru. It was called a Subaru Sambar. 
So I watched him go through this process. Um, and I said, well, my wife, my wife said I was too old to drive my motorcycle anymore uh, because <laughs> I had a Yamaha 1600. And if I drop it, I probably would need help for somebody to pick it up with me. Um, mm -hmm. But she said I was too old for that. So I ended up selling it and I had a little bit of money. And my buddy Nick said that he could get me into one of them, um, you know, for what I made off the motorcycle. So I, I went for it. I figured, you know, what the heck? And it's really a cool process that uh, he has to contact um, his buddy in Japan, which his name's Yoshi, Yoshi. And Yoshi would kind of bid for you and, you know, on different vehicles that you want. You, you could look for certain ones. Um, they would give you a uh, printout or a diagram of what was wrong with the uh, vehicle, what, you know, scratches, whatever. And you would have to be able to read Japanese, but luckily they have apps for that. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, I decided what I kind of wanted and uh, all of them are, you know, the ones I was looking at was four wheel drive, five speed, their right hand drive. So that's kind of, you know, I'm used to driving a five speed, but I'm not used to driving a five speed with my other hand. So it was a little bit yeah. to get used to. Um, but it's really cool watching. You can actually, there's an app to watch the ship, pick it up from Japan, um, oh, wow. take it to the Panama Canal, you know, and where it has to stop. And then, you know, you can actually watch its trip coming here. So anyway, it ended up being a, little Subaru sandbar. Um, it's amazing how much weight it can carry. It's a pickup truck. Um, it was in good condition. I, I said uh, that he was a little bit abused because um, there's little cigarette burns on the bumper where the guy that was uh, that had it before smoked and must have set the cigarettes on there. So Pepe was a little bit abused. Um, but we've, I've taken it all. It was really in really good shape, but I've pulled everything I know how to pull off of it and clean it and put it back on. We've did things like, um, you know, all the wiring, um, all the, the um, filters, everything we've taken apart and put on there. I've pretty much left it stock, but I've painted a few things on it. Um, but we just, uh, I was joking around, we were, um, I, I wrote on Facebook that we were giving Pepe a heart transplant because we yanked the uh, carburetor off and rebuilt that because that was the only little bit of problem that it did have. Um, and luckily with Nick's help, Nick's really good at vehicles. It, things I don't know, I surround myself with people that do know how to do it. But um, It's a good move. But he came through with flying colors and it runs really well now. And I don't have to keep the idle to about 3000. Uh, so so it doesn't sound like it's screaming down the road. It, it just drives normal now. So now is that something you kind of want to would want to like sell and like get another one and kind of fix it up and, you know, kind of like flipping Pepe's or are you kind of fond of this one? I've I've built up a relationship with Pepe. So um, no, because <laughs> I'd, I'd love a dump bed. They actually make these little things with dump beds and it'd be really cool to get a dump bed. But um, 
I, I don't think I can cheat on Pepe and and go for another <laughs> one. So. And right. so. What scale would you say Pepe is, you know, for people who don't know, compared to a full-size truck? Is it about half size, three-quarter? Um, probably half or less size. Um, it's the, funny, the funniest thing is, and as I'm sure Austin you know, has told everybody, I'm not really a people person, which is really weird because I work at a school. I love kids. I hate adults. Uh, you know, that's kind of the way it is. Um, but, uh, Nick said, okay, well you can get one, but I'm going to warn you that you'll spend all your time talking to people about Pepe. And it's true because it's like, you're driving really, if you think about it, it's probably like, a, a let's see, like a golf cart, but a, just a little bit bigger. How, how about this? It's so you, if you've golfed before, and you know where the beer cart looks like? Yeah. Well, it yeah. looks like a little bit bigger of a beer cart. So that's pretty much it. And then you're running around town in this thing. I mean, what are some of the places you go? Well, it Pepe loves to go to Wawa for coffee and he loves to go to Home Depot. That's pretty much the, the major places that I, I go. I don't go a long ways because she's not real comfortable, you know, riding. She'll get up to... You know, you probably can go 60 in it, but it's it's not happy at 60. Probably 45 is around, you know, uh, about 45 miles per hour is what is happiest. And then Pepe's got some interesting features. I mean, what's your favorite little quirk about Pepe that maybe trucks and cars over here don't have? So one of my buddies was just writing to me and he said he doesn't understand why American truck people don't make the fold down bed bed sides like this one because pepe front the sides and the back fold all the way down so it becomes a flat bed yeah um that's probably what it's most known for uh, but also it's it's ridiculous because it's four-wheel drive um it has uh a low granny gear where you can you know really uh pull out different things and it, it has about a thousand pound carrying capacity, which it barely weighs a thousand pounds itself. So, oh, wow. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. But people do all sorts of things with these. Um, you know, there's people that make little monster trucks out of them. And um, they're just they're really popular here right now. You know, they've they've doubled in price and um He's even having a hard time getting them. Nick's having a hard time getting them here because they've become so popular that you can't find one or you got to wait so long for it now. I think one thing that we should bring up too is one of your main tools that you use all the time is the Kubota tractor, which is probably about double the size of Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what do you, what do you, how important do you think it is for having a tractor and like the homestead like we, we have? So the Kubota is probably what 16 feet, not counting the, the bucket and everything, 16 feet long by say six and a half, seven feet wide. Right. So anybody that has a backyard that's 20 feet by 10 feet, mm -hmm. at least they should have this tractor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because 
I use it. We use it for everything. We use it for everything. And most things is not what it was meant to be used for. Um, (laughs) It it just makes everything so much easier. Um, I lift my John Deere mower. I lift it with uh, the, the Kubota to work underneath of it like a lift. I yank out stumps with it. Um, I, it's, it's just, you know, ridiculous of how many things you do with it. I mean, uh, my wife was screaming at me probably a couple of weeks ago because Austin was uh, operating the Kubota and I was on the front forks in the air cutting <laughs> branches out of the trees. So um, yeah, and this thing lifts about 14 feet high too. So yeah. he was way up there. <laughs> I think I've seen those uh, habits on the farm as well. My dad's got a couple of Kubotas and yeah. <laughs> so one of the main things that we I use the Kubota for is, you know, moving tools constantly because that's, it's when the tool's way too much, it's easier to do it. So it's handy to have two people, one person's operating, one person's the rigger, you know, um, getting it all rigged up to, to be lifted. So it's uh-huh. handy to have. I disagree with that. I think his number one, anything that weighs four or 500 pounds, any number one tool that he uses for that to lift it is, Hey dad, I I have this thing. Can you come help me get it? He said when he found that saw on the side of the road, his first thought wasn't like, I wonder if it works or do I have space for this? It was dad. I need you to come down here now and help me load this thing. I'm constantly telling him, I'm like, Austin, I'm 62. I can't do this, you know, because he's like three times my size. And, you know, he's he can he can do it, even though he this last one bruised him up pretty good. But um, he's anything that weighs. I don't care what it is. Anything that weighs 500 pounds or more. He wants it. It's just (laughs) weird obsession. There's a few things that are excluded on that list. (laughs) I was going to say. So, Troy, we also have seen a lot of your gardening and uh, that Austin, he he seems to be eating a lot of the gardening, though. So um, does he actually like help with any of that? When he helps when I beg him to help it, you know, or if he sees me passed out laying in the mulch, then he'll <laughs> walk over and he'll like dump water on me and say, OK, get up. It's, it's time to go. So. But uh, yeah, the garden's grown a lot this year. I expand and don't mean to. Uh, I think that's with everything like shops. The shop expands constantly. You know, it's it's like the universe almost. You know, and the universe keeps growing. Um, I think shops do the same. Gardens do the same. Austin's ego does the same. <laughs> Just when you think it's made the max capacity, I think you're right, though. It does continue. You know, what's funny about his ego is it starts to like infiltrate your life, too. Like I was painting something gold the other day and I was like, hey, you good as gold. Austin Saunders. (laughs) And I'm like, God damn, he's polluted my brain with his nonsense. Yeah. What what was I I think? um, One of the passwords he originally, when that AU came out, I think he made his password good as gold. That's still my password. (laughs) (laughs) You have enough to go change passwords now. (laughs) Uh, So it definitely works in that. But yeah, I um, I I like trying. Okay, I don't. 
don't go anywhere with this, but uh, I like trying a lot of different things. Um, yep, waiting for it. I'm not. <laughs> uh, I, I th- I, Austin is going to be more G-rated in this conversation than he's ever been, I think, in any conversation. Well, and it's funny how all our brains go, because I was thinking he means growing marijuana. Austin thought he meant truck stops, bathroom <laughs> truck stops. Well, look, this is a good time to take a little uh, sidetrack. Troy, we like to do a thing called this or that, where we give you, you know, one or two options and let you pick which one you prefer. So our first one is if you had to choose the school year or summer break, which one do you like better? That's that's a no brainer. That's uh, definitely summer break. <laughs> Everybody agrees with you on that one. I think How about retirement is retirement. One of those because that's, can, that's the can, one I want. It, we, that's down the road, though. You got at least another decade. Nope. One year. Oh, so there you go. You know, Austin's a purveyor of lots of products. If you had to keep one item, would it be an Austin surfboard or an Austin pin or maybe one of the tools that he's churned out in the last few years? You, you can see it in the background here, but it'd be the, that especially that one surfboard because he made that for my father's day and, you know, put special work into it. But I, I definitely would keep that one, the surfboard. And then the last one, you know, we've talked about Pepe, but you have another special vehicle. You have a Scion XB that I believe you're a pretty big fan of. So if one of them truly needed open heart surgery, but you only had the money to bring one back to life, would you save Pepe or the Scion? I hate to cheat on my girlfriend, either one of them. But but anyway, um, right now, because I need a vehicle, it'd be the XB because I wouldn't want to drive Pepe back and forth to work all the time. But um, later, when I do retire, I probably will let the XB go. But I, I've I've loved the XB, but, uh, you know, so, so right now the XB I'd keep that. Troy, one thing I was really excited about when we figured out you were going to be the guest is you've raised a son that has become an entrepreneur. He's gone out and he started his own business and he's made products and he's been successful. So I was just wondering, you know, on this father's day episode, how do you feel your role in that was as far as nurturing Austin, giving him support? helping him along the way. And just how has that relationship been for you? So, you know, you as a father, um, you support whatever direction most of the time that your, you know, children go in. Um, You do try to guide them along the way when Austin colored his hair blue. Uh, (laughs) Wasn't really happy about that. Um, But and when he decided that he did not want to go to college, you know, you're you're not happy about it. But then you see that, um, you know, you try to guide them in the correct uh, down the correct path. Uh, you just support them as best as you can. Try to give them advice. Um, it, you know, it's different than my two daughters. My two daughters, you know, they they went the ac- academia route. Um, and then Austin went uh, the blue collar route. You know, they they went a different route than he did. And, you know, I, we were kind of being a teacher that was kind of rough, um, but he found his way. But you just got to support them. Um, you do have to still put them in check sometimes. Um, but that's what we're here for. I'm not here to be his friend. I'm I'm here to raise a good, responsible human being 
um, no matter what path he takes, um, but ma- mainly just supporting them, you know, when they're up and when they're down. So when Austin tells the story of, you know, his beginnings as a surfboard maker, it starts with he wanting to build one for himself and his friends and you setting him up as a hobby. When did you see the transition that this is going from just him dicking around in the garage to, okay, he's good at this and this could be something that he does? It was probably when the police department came to our door and knocked on it. And um, I was thinking, oh, my God, here's the, you know, my neighbors have turned us in because my neighbors would always say, hey, your son's making a board because we can smell it like 20 houses down. We, you know, they could smell the resin, um, the fiberglass resin, you know, curing. So a police officer came to the door and, uh, you know, they said, uh, do you make surfboards here? And of course, I'm a rule follower, so I'm going to say, oh, hell no. No, not at all. <laughs> not um, me, personally, yeah. no. <laughs> Actually, I, I said yes, because I am a rule follower. And um, he's like, well, do you make it for people? And I said, well, my son do it for, does it for friends and things like that. And he said, uh, well, could you make me one? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you were not being turned in. But now he has a small business that's, you know, pulling all different people in here. So. I, you know, that was probably when you get people knocking on your garage door to get a board built, then I think that's probably about when it changed, um, you know, because because we then he was being sought out. He didn't have just the friends, the family. Uh, now he had people that we did not know at all uh, knocking on the door, trying to get him to build something. So um, definitely saw where we, we, it was no longer viable in the garage. Um, so then we built something, we built a uh, garage out back so he could expand. Yeah. And then, yeah, when Johnny law knocks, now he's got a commitment, he's got to follow through. So, and then I'm curious, you know, now you've got this son, he's started a business, it's expanded. He's got a name recognition, you know, he's really grown and he shutters the doors. And now you have an uneducated college dropout with no job. Um, what was that like as a parent, uh, seeing him move from surfboards to this next venture, which was pins? Well, Austin's always been really good about reinventing himself. Um, Austin's the type that will land on his feet. All, all my kids are that way. They can, you know, they can like my oldest daughter, she was a teacher then I'm sorry. She was a civil engineer. Then she was a teacher and now she's a nurse. So, I mean, they're all great at reinventing themselves They're you know, so I wasn't worried. I was happy a little bit because you, you think the surf industry is kind of a party time love, you know, and it's not, it's really kind of a cutthroat business and um, Austin's not cutthroat. He's, he's not that way. He would give, everybody exactly how he would do all his special designs and everything, um, it, which is probably not the best, but, um, you know, it, I was kind of glad that he was getting out of that, that kind of business, um, going to a new one. Yeah. You were, you worry. Cause he's had, you know, he had a family by then, but, um, you also kind of glad cause he's not around those chemicals. Cause it's, you know, those chemicals can be rough. Um, and, uh, he, but, but like I said, he's really good about reinventing himself. So 
was worried a little bit being a father, but, but then not worried because I know he's good at doing that. And then now not only are you a father and, you know, have Father's Day coming up, but you're also a grandfather. And so, you know, you say you're not a maker, but I was wondering, what are some of the projects you've done for the grandkids that, you know, maybe it's turbocharged scooters or ramps to jump over bodies of water? You know, what are maybe some things you've done to get those those boys spoiled? We worked on their power wheels and uh, tried to get them to go as fast as we could. We uh, I think it's kind of funny because. Um, you know, we got, uh, went from 12 volt to 24 volt batteries and, you know, got them faster and faster. And then the next thing we were putting, cause, uh, we needed better batteries and more batteries. And we have a surplus of DeWalt batteries mm -hmm. uh, all over the place. So we made it, so it would, uh, have a quick disconnect for the DeWalt, I think pretty much everything we do, we see if we can hook a DeWalt battery to it. Yeah. Uh, because it's definitely handy uh, when you're, when you have 50 DeWalt batteries sitting around the house. So, um, but yeah, everybody loves speed except for maybe the grandkids uh, mother. Other than that, she, you know, they, everybody loves the speed. Um, so anything that can go faster. We, we have something called a little doodle bug in the garage, which is a little mini bike. And I keep measuring um, Benjamin, his oldest son. I keep measuring his legs and saying, okay, you can almost touch the ground. It's almost time for that. So, um, but that, you have to really get into some earthworks with the Kubota when that gets set up, have a dirt bike track back oh there. My gosh, I can't even imagine. Well, we want, we've got uh, a few comments and questions from the Patreon listeners and uh, Justin from Bear Maked, which I do believe you met from yes. High Caliber Camp last year. He said, I, I just like him to know that we all know that you tried your best and we don't blame you for the way that Austin is. So there's, there's that. Uh, and then Griffin was curious if you have, uh, what is the funniest young Austin memory? You've got any funny stories on Austin or embarrassing. This, this might not be funny, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what Austin Austin's um, passive aggressive. Have y'all ever come across that yet? He's very Maybe passive a little. aggressive. Um, I can scream and, and get angry and rid in the face and yell at him. And he'll simply say, okay, dad, you know, and that's what he does. <laughs> and it just infuriates me even more. It just pisses me off. So I, you know, then I raise, I go up three more levels and he doesn't, he stays right where he is. But anyway, when he was younger, he brought in a report card that wasn't, you know, the best because he just didn't do, you know, he didn't do what he was supposed to. He didn't, um, he waited till the last minute imagine that again <laughs> it's about to go downhill <laughs> so so i here here's a maker thing instantly i went in the garage i got a piece of um a piece of like a broom handle i whacked off the end of the broom i took a put a i put a nail in the end of oh, it Lord. sharpened that nail i went uh, I dragged him out to the backyard. I grabbed the trash uh, can that was in the kitchen and I started throwing all the trash around the backyard 
And of course, I'm sure all my neighbors were looking at me saying, what the hell is going on here? And I handed Austin the pointy stick and I said, this is going to be your job if you don't do well in school. And I said, get out there and pick up the trash. And he's he was out there smiling, <laughs> sticking the trash one at a time. You know, and it, it was just made me so mad that he would do that all happy. And so I don't, I don't know if it taught him anything, but it, you know, probably took a few years off my life. <laughs> Do you remember that, Austin? Yeah, man. I was out there singing, working on the chain gang. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, from that Charlie Sheen movie? Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely remember that. Well, and that's a great lesson. I mean, I could definitely appreciate that. Uh, And then the only other thing, uh, Griffin, he asked, what's a funny story from any of the kids in your classroom in particular that kind of still stand out years later? So I had one um, where... She, we found out later, again, this is not, this is, this is sad, funny, (laughs) my sick sense of humor, I guess. Um, But she has like, if she, if she would get excited or surprised or whatever, her, her blood pressure would go shoot up and drop really low. So, uh, you know, I was one of the things we had to teach was first aid. And I guess I was going way too deep into uh, puncture wounds. Mm. And I guess it got her, her pressure up and then down. And she got about three words out saying that she was going to pass out. And, you know, I, so, but I thought I was a good teacher because I must've been giving lots of details that it would make her do that. But, but I did catch her before she hit the ground. A little fainting goat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One thing we like to ask everybody who comes on the podcast is the three tools question. So if you were going to restart and move your workshop or anything you had going on, the first three tools that you would buy or bring with you to, to start up your new shop, what, what would that be? Uh, the first biggest tool would be my son. <laughs> Dude, that was coming. <laughs> I, I, I bring him just for the humor and when I do need something lifted. So three tools. One, one of the best tools that my son and wife had bought, has bought me recently is Dewalt. Imagine that uh, electric uh, chainsaw on a pole. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I use that because I get up. Usually I get up at four o'clock in the morning and I try to be nice to my neighbors, even though my neighbors are pretty far away. I don't want to make noise. But with an electric chainsaw, you can work at four o'clock in the morning, you know, and nobody says anything about a chainsaw noise. So I like I like that uh, bandsaw. I love I love a bandsaw. So I would want that. I'm surprised you wouldn't pick the anvil or the forge or, you know, something like that, because you spend a lot of time out there. I know, but like you need tools, not a tool for forging. You got to have, you know, the hammers and, the, and right. the anvil and the tongs and the, you know, you have it all. So how are you at nail making? I don't know, but I'd have to be better than the last people I've saw. Make them. <laughs> they, they suck. They were bad. 
there's a whole pile sitting there. And I'm like, man, all these must be their first ones, the mistakes. And he's like, hey, did you see the nails we made? And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, first of all, I didn't say that. (laughs) I was not proud of it. They're tucked in the corner for a reason. (laughs) I thought for sure that for three tools, you would pick the tacky foot or whatever the, you know, the, that you paint on your, um, what's it called? Tack foot? It is, yeah, it's called tacky foot. So tacky. He, he rides around on the tractor using these uh, blue solo cups and you paint tack foot on it. And so we get uh, the yellow deer flies really mm-hmm. bad this time of year. And they are super attracted to the blue color of the solo cup he has taped on his hat. And then also the engine vibration drives them nuts. So they come out of the woods to attack. So he'll take one lap around the yard and come back and there's like 20 deer flies stuck to his hat. And, um, and he'll just pop that cup off, paint some more on another one, throw it on and go again. And deer flies are territorial. So once you get rid of them in an area, it takes a while for them to, new ones to move back in that area. So you can actually clear your property. So I thought for wow. sure that would be the thing that you picked. Yeah. I, I'm known from for the neighbors going up and down the road i'm known for the stupid solo cup on the head and and also you know i i wear my cowboy hat also so so if austin wants to say hey do you know my dad he either talks about the stupid blue solo cup they know me from that or that i wear a cowboy hat so so why on your head and not just on the tractor somewhere else because the, the heat of your body, mm. um, mainly your head, because if you've ever if you ever been around these deer flies, they always go straight for your head. So it's either the gases that you're breathing out or it's the heat of your head. Um, and it's something about that blue, that light blue color of that solo cup, because we've tried different colors and it, it doesn't do as well. So for some reason, I don't know. They, like other people, think your tractor's sexy. <laughs> so, Dad, thanks so much for joining us and sparing me any more brutal stories. <laughs> if you can, please tell people where they can find you on Instagram. Uh, what is my Instagram? Your Instagram that. is at Saunders Room. And uh, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S-R-O-O-M. Okay. So, if, if you want to see the, the pictures of Austin... Uh, that I have squirreled away, you know, just say something and send me, send me a message. We might have to unearth earth some of those for the those uh, Patreon Instagram only. posts. Yeah, okay. and, and if you want to see any of the projects Troy works on, just go to Austin's Instagram and all the stuff he's pretending like he made. Uh, it was really Troy doing the welding or the grinding or the finishing or the planing or, you know, just insert direction. Yeah. Any of the hard work. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like awesome high thing. level. He's the I'm high level stuff. The camera. Yeah. <laughs> That's so before I, I, t- I told a few people that you were coming on the podcast and they're like, oh, so what does your dad do? I'm like, motherfucker, it's the same thing. Who do you think is standing next to me while we're doing all this shit? <laughs> I'm like, he's doing what I'm doing, you know? So I, I don't run a mill though. I don't run a mill. I don't. Yeah, no, no mill, no lathe stuff. No. But no. besides that, one day, one day I will. Well, Troy, thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. No worries. I, I appreciate y'all having me. All right. Talk Thanks to you later. Day. All right. Take care. So we want to shout out our patrons from Patreons. We got some top tier folks. We've got Marion Ward, 
from Creative Ward Gallery, Vincent Ferrari from Because We Make, and Justin from Bear Make It. And then in addition to the top tier, we have a few other patrons that I want to go ahead and shout out this week. Um, first, we got Jacob Griffin from Griffin Makes, former guest on the podcast. Um, and I saw on his Instagram stories, he's in that con crunch. So he must be getting ready for his Witcher reveal. Mm-hmm. Jacob from Other Dog Designs, our fourth wheel. Keith Drennan from Blackborn Concepts. He has a podcast himself. Um, and I saw, also, did you see he was doing a gold leaf on a sign that he painted? Yeah, was, uh, that's cool pretty legit stuff and then we've got eric from overall maker works uh, one of our discord buddies the last segment here i wanted to talk about something that i'm sure austin's poor dad has to deal with all the time and that's seeing austin's overconfidence you know i just want to talk about <laughs> overconfidence um in the shop in life you know just however and um how it can be positive or how it can be negative so austin what's your relationship with overconfidence it's overconfidence is my relationship with everything. <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have a this is it's kind of a handicap, I think, a little bit, but it's also like a superpower because I think in my head there's nothing I can't do. So, you know, uh, until I get to a pull up bar, <laughs> but then it kind of comes back and screws me sometimes. Cause I'm like going into something so overconfident. I'm like, I've seen it on YouTube. I'm plenty talented enough to make this happen. And then I just eat crow the whole time. I'm trying to do whatever it is. For example, when I was making nails with Jacob from other dog designs a few weeks ago, um, I just could not get them to come out. Right. They're a functional nail, but they didn't look in my head what they should look like in my head. Right. And plus I'm watching guys on YouTube that have been blacksmithing for their whole life, jamming these things out in a minute. And I'm trying to replicate that and nowhere near. And I'm like, why can't I get a lifetime's worth of experience in 15 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) So, but that's kind of my, you know, you guys joke about how big my ego is. My, my ego is inflated, but it's mainly in like, it's inflated in me thinking that I can do way more or that I'm capable of way more than I actually am, or at least with skill being that high. What about you guys? I am extremely confident in a lot of areas of my life work related. I'm extremely confident. Um, I know that I can put myself in a position where I can succeed period. I don't know if that's ego. I don't know if that's just, you know, my type A personality or my red personality, whichever one of those quizzes you want to take, that is me in my normal life. But when it comes to something that I have gone out of my normal wheelhouse, like making or running certain types of tools, I am a little more apprehensive because I know that. Sometimes if you're overly confident, you could hurt yourself. (laughs) So that's, you know, I I take my time when it's something that there's a potential risk, like, you know, cutting my arm off or, you know, losing a finger or whatever. So I think when it comes to confidence, I have a wide degree of, of my level just based on whatever it is I'm dealing with. You know what I mean? But what about like directly? I'm talking about like, overconfidence directly from making something like if somebody comes to you and they're like this is exactly what i want can you do this is your gut instinct to be like yeah no problem 
my gut instinct is, yes, I can make it, but you're going to have to give me plenty of time to make sure I can get there. Okay. I can get from here to there, but I can't guarantee that it's going to be super quick. Right. You know, okay. See, and I, I think there's a trap in there. So, uh, so this happens to me, you know, people, Hey, can you make this for me? And I look at it and go, that's below me. It's so simple. But then I go to make <laughs> it and I'm like, fuck, I, I don't have the right jigs for this. I don't even know if I have the right tools and bits for this. I don't know if I have the right design, but the problem is it's not the concept. Like if you come and show me a box and go, can you make this box? I can make a box, but if I try to make that box, That's where sometimes my overconfidence trips me up. If the end result is making Bean's version of a box, then you'll get that. No problem. It'll have my own twist, my own spin on things. You know, so right now I'm making this blanket roll. That's what I was using your scribe on. And the guy sent me a picture. And if I tried to make that blanket roll, I don't have a leather sewing machine in house. I don't have the right, like I wanted to use repurpose belts that I already had. I didn't want to cut strips that fit into hardware that, you know, so I'm trying to pigeonhole the materials that I have into this other design. And that's setting myself up for failure. My confidence that, yeah, I can do it. I'm setting myself up for failure because I don't have the right materials or supplies or design basis. But if the idea is, can you make me a version of this with my abilities, my understanding, my knowledge, my tools, my supplies, it's going to be done in two hours. You know, I'll be done because I'm not trying to replicate someone else's version. Um, I'm confident in that. Yes, I can make one of those and here's my version of it. Um, I know you steered Christy back into the shop, but you know, when I think overconfidence, I um, automatically think about work. I mean, there is never a time where confidence has gotten me a long way. in just that I have never been nervous about standing up in front of someone and speaking my truth because I always believe that everyone else is full of shit, that <laughs> rarely am I going to come up to someone that truly knows all the stuff they pretend to know. Cell phones have made people think they're way smarter than they really are. And then when it comes to the one-on-one and we're in front of each other, you don't know all that you think you know. And that that's the confidence that I have running in. It's partially a faith in myself, but partially in a faith that you're full of shit. And it's usually works out to my benefit. Um, people talk a big game until they don't have the, their computer in front of them in the Google machine. Uh, right. So, you know, that's, I, I really, overconfidence works, works that way for me. Um, then in the shop, you know, it's funny. I, I always get a little squirmish when they, people love talking about imposter syndrome. I mean, and I don't want to shit on anybody. Every podcast our friends have, have had an episode on imposter syndrome. And that's fine. It's just, it's not a world I live in. My reality is what's the worst that can happen? You know, like right, right now, while we're recording this episode, I have some wood in a vacuum chamber, pulling a vacuum to try to see if I can dye it a, a different color. I've never successfully done this. I've tried three times. I failed three times. And when I set this pump up, my full expectation is it's going to work. I mean, never did it cross my mind that I'm going to fail a fourth time. And and it's like that with everything I come into. And that's probably an overconfidence. But in the end, what's going to happen? You know, governments don't fall if I make this cut incorrectly. I just have to go buy some more wood. And so I I don't know. I, I get the anxiety and everybody wants a reason why they don't produce like they think they should. 
the reality is get off the internet. Nobody produces as much as they pretend they produce. Uh, <laughs> most people are barely putting anything out at all because you have lives and dishes that need to be washed and clothes that need to be folded. So give yourself a fucking break. It's not that you have imposter syndrome. It's that life's fucking hard and you, it takes a lot of effort to do this. I mean, to be prolific, these people that we look up to that have these huge accounts, you know, truly to think, you know, overcome, you think Jimmy DeResta walks into a room and feels he can't do something. I don't know. I don't know the man. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm going to tell you to be prolific at that scale. It costs things. Jimmy DeResta is not at little league baseball games. I bet, you know, he's probably missing birthday parties. He's because that's what he's poured himself into. And unless right. you're willing to sacrifice to that level and you're not going to the bar with friends on Saturday afternoon and you're not watching baseball games on a Friday night, you're not getting on Zoom calls every fucking week. You, you, <laughs> if you're on a Zoom call every Saturday night, you're not working on your craft. So, you know, I think a lot of people's lack of confidence is related to an unrealistic expectation of progress and if you properly frame what you're capable of doing and have confidence in that, um, the rest kind of takes care of itself. So basically what we're trying to say is we're all narcissists. Yeah. We, (laughs) yeah, we have a common thread here. My wife and I always talk. She's like, well, you have the, uh, you have the biggest head in the group. And I'm like, have you met Austin? (laughs) But it's, you don't talk a lot on the podcast and she's not sitting in the zoom calls and stuff like that. Right. I'm like, Christy literally said in her other reality, she's the queen. Like, you know, (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because like, I don't, I, I, uh, around my friends, I like to play up my ego. Like, I I think it's funny. I think it's funny to be always insanely confident and just like, but, and my wife always, and of course I do it around my family too, you know, because you have to, but there's something to be said about live you know like it was it was hugh hefner who was like you know you want to be like the man the main guy act like the main guy until you're the main guy you know that or whatever i can't remember the exact quote but um and i've i kind of believe it man like the more you do that the more that it becomes your reality um to the point where i will go after any sponsorship and just ask them because the worst thing they can say is no and what happens then nothing I'm right. exactly right. in the same place I was before yeah. they said no. So I'm just, yeah. you know what I'm going to do? Go to the next one or, or whatever. Who cares? You know what I learned? Ask a different way, maybe, or something like that. You know, take what you, there's nothing. You should be overconfident. You should go after stuff that you think is out of your level. There's a reason that I look the way I look and the way my wife looks the way she looks. I was because just going to say that. <laughs> There's a reason why you, yeah, you totally uh, yeah. married outside of your wheelhouse. I found that was video totally... of my wife running on the treadmill the other day and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, people pay good money for stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But no, I think that overconfidence is key. You know, and no, and, you're absolutely right, Austin. You know, another symptom is, um, you know, the whole like jealousy or envy or anytime you find yourself, the words coming out of your mouth, like why them or, but they're not good enough. You're talking about yourself. You're not talking right. about those yeah. because all those people did was take a chance. I mean, they asked the question. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, you've, you, we've all followed someone who now has a 10,000 more followers than they did when you started. And it's not because they're a bad person or they have some secret sauce. They just got out of their own way. 
because people want to be entertained. There's nothing that people on Instagram want more than to find new accounts to follow and engage with. So if you don't, if you're not succeeding in whatever envelope, it's probably internally. And like Austin was saying, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I I think that the one thing that people disregard when it comes to Instagram and like, you see these accounts that are blowing up? Like for example, 3d Dave, his accounts blowing up. The reason his accounts blowing up is because he's fucking putting in work. Yeah. Right. You know, and prolific amount of content, simple videos, but he's staying on, he, you know, he did the one the other day where it's like you pass out and you wake up in a different location and he passed out in his shop and he woke up in Festo. I mean, that's a trending video. You know, right. he just jumped on a trend. He, he put his spin on it and he put it out and it was 15 seconds. And everybody it's thinks funny. they need 60 yeah. second reels and it has to be this giant. No, just pick up a rock, throw it on the ground, post, done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting how, how it is now, but it's, um, but I think behind all of it is just the ability, you know, to put in the work, put in the, you know, it's, yeah. it's all based on work level. You, you always will get out a, a portion of what you're putting in. So the Let's more say, you put in, the better the portion becomes. Lonesome Dove, one of the best quotes of any movie. Let's go on and go for going. You know, because, and like Dean had just said, people get in their own way. If you've got a plan or if you've got a goal, get on with it and go. Now, for me personally, I have shut down pretty much most all of my posting except for the shop and because I got too much going on right now. Right. And so I don't Life. want to overload me with more stress. My goal right now is not to build my Instagram, but once things get moving back up and running, my goal is going to be, let's go on and go for going. My favorite Lonesome Dove quote is fancy a poke. That's a pretty good. You want to cut the cards? I don't remember that one. It's been a long time since I've seen it. (laughs) Come on, you guys. Have you seen it at all, Dean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us on Instagram at Making Our Way Podcast. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram or YouTube. Austin is at a high caliber craftsman. Dean is at Dean underscore Duplantis. And I'm at Twisted Twine Woodworking. Thanks again, friends. So, you know, I was talking about the um, the doodle bug that I was measuring Benjamin's legs mm-hmm. to you know, to make sure that to see when he's tall enough to support that and and fix that uh, fix that again. But we've had that doodle bug for a long time, and um, when Austin was young, not too young, but young. Uh, we would take it and go around uh, the yard. We had three acres and we would go around the yard on the doodle bug, which is basically just a small mini bike that's red. Um, it's you could buy it at uh, like Home Depot or somewhere and it's called doodle bug. But anyway, um, there was this one little hill and I was trying to get Austin to, to hit that hill with some speed. And I'm like, Hey, Austin, you know, fly down this straightaway and uh, see if you can catch some air. And he took it literally and he went off this little bump that I thought wasn't very big. And next thing I see is 
He's in the air. The doodlebug's in front of him. He's still <laughs> holding on to the handles, and he's basically doing Superman. If you yeah, know like X about. Games, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. He's doing a low, very low Superman <laughs> as the thing drags him, you know, down the yard um, into the ditch. <laughs> yeah, you probably and, couldn't let go of the throttle. Mm-hmm. Yes, a whiskey throttle. That's yeah. exactly what he had, you know. And he he constantly always. Uh, mocks me when, you know, when things he's like, Oh, catch some air. Oh, catch some air. <laughs> Thanks dad. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, kid, you have them, you know, so you can laugh at them. That's, That's it. Really there you go. So, there you go. Right.